Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I've been uh, putting together over the last while where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you some of my thoughts, some of my takes, and other people's takes about what's going on in the world of stocks and ETFs. Uh, The goal here is hopefully for you to take some nuggets of information that will help you make better and ultimately more successful investment decisions. My name is Amon Reina, and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And as an investment coach, what I do is I try to help people who want to become more financially independent. The problem is, when people are trying to become more financially independent, and especially as it pertains to getting into investing, is they often feel, go into investing really, feel, have feelings of confusion, frustration, and intimidation with the whole concept. Um, they either I work with people who are brand new to investing but don't know where to start and I work with people who have been investing for long periods of time but are just frustrated that they're not getting anywhere with their portfolios so what I do ultimately as an investment coach is I teach people I engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately more success successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and achieve it with confidence So today is part two in my three-part series where I'm kind of reviewing uh, all the investment decisions that I've been making uh, during the summer. So in the previous episode, I walked through the decisions that I made uh, in the month of June. And today I'm going to walk through uh, some of the decisions that I've made in the month of July and uh, give you a take, give you a bit of a take, not so much about what I did, but it's just how I went about making the decisions to to buy and sell these different stocks and ETFs. Um, as I've said many a times, one of the things I really feel it's important is as someone who is teaching people how to make decisions and how to analyze stocks and ETFs, it's one thing to teach this stuff. It's another thing to model the behavior. It's another thing to apply it, i.e. it's another thing to, to walk the talk. And so I really feel strongly that I, I very much want to share with people that thought process that I put into, because that's really, at the end of the day, that's the thing that really makes it hard for people. So, and hopefully people can see and understand some of the, my reasons for my madness and how I approach my decisions. They can bring some of that back and kind of use it in their own particular personal circumstance and framework. So I'm gonna jump right in, uh, take a look at the decisions that I made in July. So. For those of you who've been following my podcast and uh, my blog, you know, you'll know already that I've been, so far this year, I've been kind of just backing off in terms of making decisions. I haven't really made a lot of crazy, like lots of decisions in volume, in, from a volume perspective. Um, but that really all changed in July. And July, I decided to really make some moves. And I think what was the trigger for me to start taking some action was uh, it was becoming pretty clear at that time that interest rates are are going down and the Federal Reserve you know has been talking about it over the last six months Um, now it really looks like the signals are in there that their rates are gonna fall rates aren't gonna go up they're gonna fall so the logic here is lower interest rates will mean that historically um, usually will put um, upward pressure on stock prices. In other words, stock prices 
are probably going to start tracking upward, definitely in the short to medium term. Um, as much as I think that's a really bad idea, uh, the reality is that it is what it is. You play with the card as investors. You play with the cards you're dealt with. And so, if the Federal Reserve, for whatever reasons, think they want to drop interest rates, um, you got to play with that 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 narrative. And so, I decided to make some moves um, based on that, and started to really not make some really aggressive moves, but I think it was more about just establishing positions and uh, and slowly building up those positions over time. So uh, let's just get down to it. Let's just see what I like. I'll just share with you what I did. So one decision that I made was I decided to buy more shares in the ETF, uh, the iShares Long Canadian, iShares Canadian Long-Term Bonds ETF, ticker symbol XLB. The narrative basically, the thought process being, if interest rates are gonna fall, that means the price of bonds are gonna go up. What does that mean? So like, think about it, like right now, let's say interest rates, if you go out and look at like buy corporate bonds or government bonds, they yield, I'm just using an example, 5%. If interest rates were to fall going forward, any new bonds that would get into the marketplace would, would come in at a lower coupon rate, at a lower yield. So what that means is if you're an investor and you want a decision you want to make, which, which bonds are you going to buy? Are you going to buy the ones that pay the lower coupon or are you going to buy the ones that pay the higher coupon, the older bonds? Um, you're going to buy the older ones. So the longer-term maturity bonds are going to become more in demand. Um, the older pre currently issued bonds are going to be in more demand. Those prices are going to appreciate, so there's more opportunities to have capital gains off of them. Take it another level, if you go down the yield curve in terms of maturity of bonds, the longer term bonds with longer term maturities are much more price sensitive to changes in interest rates. So now with interest rates going down, the price movement on those longer term bonds, longer maturity bonds is gonna be greater. So there's much more potential opportunity to have higher capital gains. So I made a decision last month to open a position and, uh, in a, and buy a basket of long, duration bonds, which I use the XLB. And so this month, past month in July, I decided to buy some more. So I'm just slowly building up the position on that. Next decision I made is a new one, is I decided to buy shares in the Vanguard Growth Asset Allocation ETF. A lot of words there, ticker symbol VGRO. What this uh, ETF does is essentially, and this is a thing now, this is a new thing now, and it's really taking the whole ETF market by storm, is now you can actually buy an ETF out there that will invest in a basket of other ETFs, will can invest in a portfolio of other ETFs. So you can have an ETF, this particular ETF um, in, has, will invest in a bunch of different other ETFs. So it'll invest in a, in a Vanguard, uh, Canadian ETF, it'll have a US ETF, it'll have an international ETF, have an emerging market ETF, and then it'll have a, it'll have a bond ETF. And so instead of buying these in ETFs individually, you can actually buy, like Vanguard was the first to come to market with this, um, you can come, you can buy a single ETF that will give you that entire diverse, diversified portfolio. So you can literally own, have a completely diversified portfolio by owning a single security. And so that's what the v, that's what this ETF does. Um, now, why did I do it? Given that I'm a person who tends to want to skew towards buying individual stocks and ETFs, 
One of the, I guess one of my weaknesses, I would say, with how I've managed or invested is, especially the last four or five years, I've been carrying a lot more cash um, than I'm comfortable with. And uh, in a way, it's kind of skewed down my returns. Um, I've made a lot of great investment decisions, but I've also carried a lot of um, cash uh, on the sidelines. Because, as I said, uh, as much as whatever the market's going on, I feel that stock prices are overpriced. I think they're overvalued. And so I've been really hesitant to, to go really full board and deployed a lot of money into into the market. So, but I need to kind of get more exposure. I'm holding too much cash. I want to put it. So I thought instead of me trying to figure out stocks, and as much as I analyze stocks and, and invest in individual stocks, um, I thought a much more efficient way for me to do it and a low cost point of perspective is to put it into one of these asset allocation ETFs. They're really low cost. This one is particularly 0.22%, which is really cheap um, because they would give me that exposure. And so I'm looking to take some of that excess cash balances that I have and put it into these type of ETFs um, to give me that bigger broader, more diversified exposure to the market. I'm still going to buy individual stocks. I'm going to buy individual ETFs when I find them, when they make sense, um, just like the XLB, for example. Um, so, but this is, I think, I came to the conclusion this is a cheaper, more um, easier way to get a very passive, broad-based market exposure to, to a variety of asset classes. So that's what I did. Uh, I'm not going to get too much more depth into it. What I've done is actually I've created, I'm going to have a separate podcast and a separate video actually I made where I've actually done a bit of a mind map analysis or a comparative analysis of a bunch of different similar ETFs like uh, iShares has one and uh, up here in Canada, Bank of Montreal also has one. So I did a little mind map analysis of that. And so you can check that out on my website, sageinvestors.ca. Um, where I do a little bit of a big, a deeper dive in terms of comparing these type of ETFs amongst a bunch of different categories. So, that's my another decision I made. Another decision I made is a new decision, and I decided to buy shares in Alphabet ticker symbol G O O G L, otherwise known as Google. Yes, I bought a Fang stock, and. Uh, it gets even better. I'm not going to go again too much in depth actually because I've actually done a separate video and a separate podcast episode dedicated to how to my analysis of Google. I'm going to call them Google. I'm not going to call them Alphabet here, um, where I kind of walk through the decision making. But I just I just kind of give you the gist of it. The stock has been falling. It was at around the 1100 mark, um, and it's been falling. Um, and a big reason why is there's been a lot of chatter going on out there that uh, the, the regulators are going to come in and start um, pushing these companies, the, the Googles and the Amazons and the Facebooks around. And uh, I think it's put a lot of downward pressure on these stocks. And despite the fact that these companies are still extremely, like Google, for example, is extremely profitable. It's one of the most profitable companies on the planet, generates ridiculous amounts of cash, um, and it's an iconic brand. Um, so the opportunity to buy the stock at a, at a bit of a def, uh, low price, lower price point, that appealed to me. The second thing is with all this chatter about splitting up and deregulation, I mean regulating these companies, uh, that's fine. 
but I thought that Google potentially could be proactive and maybe spin off some of their companies, like spin off their search engine, spin off YouTube, spin off uh, their whole Android platform. Um, and if they did that, they could actually financial, financially engineer their way to increasing shareholder value. Because if you look at Google, Google is essentially, I guess I would view it as a conglomerate, just the way Amazon is, and I'm going to get to Amazon in a second where the individual parts may actually be worth more than the whole company itself. And so even if the government said, came up to Google and said, you got to split yourself up and you got to sell some pieces of off, I think potentially that could be a very profitable move. So ultimately my decision to buy Google came down not to, it basically came down to me viewing Google not so much from a profitability perspective, which is fantastic. It's more about viewing it as an asset play. And uh, and I thought the fact that the stock's been f- basically floating downward, that'd be a good time to jump in and open a small position. And if we were to keep falling, I would probably keep adding to it because this is a, this is a very profitable, financially strong business. Um, there's risks associated with the business, um, but overall, there's a lot of potential. Just it, from a value perspective, I thought this was an interesting entry point into the into the company so um, sure enough I, I ended up buying uh, a very small position in Google and, and I intend to uh, open it up open it up uh, add more uh, over time if the stock were to continue to come under pressure so that was my decision to buy Google and as I said I've done a, a separate podcast you can download and also a separate mind map video where I go into a much more deeper analysis in terms of analyzing Google in terms of some key fundamental questions that you ask every time I, that I ask every time I'm, I'm analyzing a stock. Um, so check it out. Um, yeah, check it out. Next decision I made, as I said, July was a weird month. I was making some decisions which I didn't think I would end up making. Like I bought bonds, <laughs> and and I bought Google, <laughs> and, and and then I and then I bought Amazon. Um, same principle. Stock was trading around 2000 and dropped to about 1920, 1930. I was going, hey, something's going on here. And again, it's the same principle as with Google. Regulatory pressure is out there. There's also bigger issues in terms of the economy and trade and stuff like that. Um, the trade trash talking, it is having an impact. Um, so the stock's been kind of off off its game for the last little while. And so I thought, again, hey, maybe there's an opportunity to build a small position and get into this space. Again, same principles. A lot of people are saying Amazon's getting too big. They're in too many things going, they got too many things going on with it. Too many, their fingers are in too many pies. Um, it needs to get split up. Like they need to take out the AWS, their web services, that needs to get split off. Um, Lots of chatter about that. So again, my it really came down to when I was looking at it. again. This is a company that's gener- that that is now one of my criticisms of Amazon has been it's not profitable, and a lot of people are saying this company is a trillion dollar company. It's never made money. This company's making money now. Um, the AWS is definitely bankrolling the business, um, but their other areas of the business are now profitable. They've decided to make it a little bit more profitable. And they are now starting to crank out a lot of earnings. So this is becoming a really big cash cow. Um, so from that perspective, financial statements, 
just like Google, rock solid. So this is really much, again, much more of a value decision. And it's also an asset play decision. Because again, if the government comes up to them and says, you know what, you got to split up, you guys are too big, got to split you up. Google can do two things. They can split themselves up voluntarily, which I think would be from a financial engineering perspective, a really solid thing to do. Spin off the AWS and increase the value of their, of their respective uh, businesses. And so that's what I did. I thought, I'm again, I'm not thinking of this company in terms of quarter-to-quarter earnings. I'm thinking about what strategically could happen to this company. And there's a potential out there. You have the, It is a risk factor that the company could get broken up. So I thought, you know, the fact it was down in the 1900s, I thought it was a good opportunity to buy in. Again, slowly building a position up. This is not something I'm looking to flip tomorrow. This is a stock. I'm willing to hold these stocks for multi-years if I have to. As I said, I've done a, I've done a video and a podcast based on this uh, into a much more deeper dive into Amazon. So you can check that out on my website, sageinvestors.ca, and uh, check out the analysis that I did for it. Next decision was I decided to buy um, buy some more shares in another ETF, the iShares Pharmaceutical ETF, ticker symbol XPH. Again, healthcare stocks have been coming under pressure, a lot of chatter out there about you know lower drug prices, government getting more involved, um, and the Mad King just talking about, you know, putting a real a lot of cold water onto, onto, onto the business, onto the sector. I believe very much in having some exposure to the healthcare side of it. I think there's a long-term growth trajectory for it. Um, but I, but the, the regulatory risk that's associated with it just makes it really hard to figure out which individual companies and stocks are going are gonna to benefit from it. So I decided to, to essentially just buy a basket of pharmaceutical companies, a basket of drug companies, and kind of ride that wave in a much more cheaper way. Um, I thought it'd be a cheaper way to do it. So as I said, the stock, the ETF has been coming under pressure. I bought it in at 41. It's been now dropping to about 36. So I thought again, you know what? Might be a good time to buy in. So I decided to buy in. So that's another decision I made was to buy the, uh, add some more shares to the pharma ETF. Next decisions were, again, I decided to buy more shares in couple of more stocks that I own, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. Um, it was interesting. I bought them after they just released their earnings. The company, both companies reported like making a ridiculous amount of cash. They were <laughs> ridiculous amount of profits, but Wall Street, the analysts just were not impressed and the stocks got kind of bumped down a bit. So I thought these are companies that are printing money left and right and their stocks are about 4 or 5% cheaper today at that time. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to pick up some more of these companies and average my costs down. So um, I thought this would be another good point to put some more money into these stocks, and ultimately that's what I did. Uh, what else do we got? I got so many. As I said, July was a really crazy month. I had a lot of things going on. I, was, I, was just, I just went all in uh, on stocks in July. Um, Another new stock that I added to my portfolio was uh, I bought shares in CVS Health, ticker symbol CVS. For those of you who have been regular followers of my uh, podcast and my blog, you will know that I have 
was I had owned CBS uh, up until earlier this year, and I sold it. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't make any money on it. I sold it for um, I just sold it over over a twenty percent loss on the stock. Um, one of the things I do every time I, may, I buy a stock is I have an exit strategy. There's always uh, a, a price, a threshold um, that I, that's my maximum that I'm willing to lose on a stock. And so for me, it's 20%. So when I bought CVS many a year ago, uh, it was doing really well. But then it's been just slowly over the last while been just dropping, dropping, dropping. And then it really dropped earlier in the year. And the next thing you know, I was uh, I was down over just over 20%. And so I followed my playbook and I basically sold my shares and uh, moved on. It was a tough move because don't really like to lose money. Um, but at the time I still thought it was, I kept it on my watch list because I still think it has the potential to be one of the dominant healthcare providers in the US. And uh, you know, what's been taking the stock down? The stock was trading in the 50s. You know, I bought it originally at about 79.80, and now it's trading in the low 50s. Um, why did I buy in? I bought in because um, the company is still making a lot of money. They're, they're, they're throwing off a ridiculous amount of cash. The fact that they went in with Aetna, they bought Aetna to get more exposure to the life insurance side of it, um, or health insurance side of it, I think establishes that it has it a bit of a moat to protect itself from Amazon. That's one of the big reasons why the stock's been falling is because everybody's thinking Amazon's going to get into the into the pill business and the pharmacy business and take companies like CVS out. I don't think that's going to happen because I think the barriers to entry are really hard. Um, I know Walgreens and CVS have been putting up a lot of roadblocks to make it difficult for Amazon to get in there, and they will continue to do so. So I think they'll be fine. Um, again, healthcare stocks have been really dragging. As much as the market's been going up, healthcare stocks have been really dragging the market. CBS, as I said, has been just floating around in the 50s. And so um, I thought, given the malaise and sort of the out-of-favor nature of healthcare stocks, I thought maybe this is a good time to jump back into CBS. And... Uh, and... Uh, and it's tough. These are tough decisions. This was a tough decision to make because, as I said, I had just previously owned the stock and I lost money on it, and now I'm buying it in again. So either I just can't quit CVS because I'm just in love with it. I don't think I am. Um, or you just have to be, look at a stock and a company very objectively, try to look at it objectively, and try to take the previous and the past and the emotions out of it, and just look at it for what it is. And to me, I look at it for what it is, is I see this company as a strong cash flow generating machine. Um, their financial statements, or their balance sheet's a little bit more debt heavy now because of the Aetna purchase, but the way this company throws off cash and generates cash, I think it's gonna be able to, they can manage that debt load and actually whittle it down if they had to. Uh, Long term, I think this company is pretty much set up to be a dominant player in the sector. And I thought the fact that the stock has fallen so low, um, that would be a good time to buy in. And so I bought in and I put my same 20% threshold is on it. So if I'm down over 20% on this position, I sell it and I move on. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. Next decision 
is I bought shares and I bought some more shares in my iShares Germany ETF, ticker symbol EWG. Forget about the US. One of the more depressing <laughs> markets out there has been Germany. Um, Germany is uh, all the economic data that's coming out from Germany has been pretty horrible. It's been pretty disastrous. The fact that they have uh, their they have negative yielding bonds. Their 30 year is like yielding negative, has a negative yield to it. All kinds of trade trash talking, all kinds of uh, stuff with Brexit. It's really put a lot of pressure on the German economy and the numbers that are coming out of Germany are not that great. So this is very much like a contrarian play. The fact of the matter is Germany is the dominant economic country in the in the European Union. It is the engine of growth in that union. So wherever Germany goes is where Europe goes. So to me, Germany, buying this ETF to me is like a proxy for investing in Europe. Um, to me, I think it's still the best of breed um, economy and it's the best of breed market in Europe. So right now it's in a really bad phase and there's a lot of people chatter out talking that it might go into recession at some point this year. So then the, the, the metrics on Germany right now are pretty negative. But so from my perspective, if this is the best of breed company and it's in a negative kind of trajectory, ultimately the value of the shares and the stocks and the companies that are German stocks will be probably at trading at a low level. So to me, this would be probably one of the best times to get into Germany is when it's down. And so that has been my premise for having exposure to Europe and having exposure. I thought to me the best way to have exposure to Europe was to own high quality um, assets. And to me, the German market, German equities are some of the higher quality assets that you're going to find in Europe. So it's just, I thought owning the ETF was just an easier way to get that kind of exposure because I really couldn't, I just don't have the time to figure out which German stocks, whether Bayer or Siemens or BMW or Daimler are the ones to get into. I just, I'd rather just own the basket. So I did that. Finally, my last decision that I made in July was I decided to buy some more shares in the Vanguard Emerging Markets ETF, ticker symbol VEE. Same premise, really playing on the interest rate theme. If interest rates are going to fall, historically, that tends that's going to put more pressure, a more upward pressure on global stocks, more specifically emerging market stocks. Because think of the logic. If interest rates are low, that means you're gonna, you're, the yields you're going to get on your savings accounts or your bonds are going to be low. So as investors, investors are going to gravitate to, they're going to look for yield, right? And so where are they going to go? They're going to go further out the risk profile and maybe start putting their money and reallocating their money and their savings into more globally based um, equities that potentially could pay higher yields. And so that would obviously lead to places like in the emerging markets, your China, your, <clears throat> your BRICS, right? India, China, Russia, that whole side of it. Um, again, I don't have the time and the wherewithal to figure out which particular emerging market stocks to buy. So I decided I wanted to own, just have that passively, uh, passive exposure to, to emerging market stocks. And I thought the best way to do it was through the, uh, the VE, the emerging, the Vanguard emerging market ETF. Um, 
If you're interested, I actually did a podcast way back when I first opened up my position on uh, where I did a bit of a comparative analysis on a bunch of different emerging market ETFs and ultimately that led to my decision to buy the Vanguard product. Um, so if you want, you can check it out on my website. I also have a podcast on it. Um, if you're interested in knowing a little bit more depth in terms of the analysis, because I devoted a whole episode to, to, that, um, to that analysis. So that's what he did. So, and that's it. Whew. So as you can see, a lot of decisions were made in July. It was just a really crazy month. Um, but as I said, investing, you kind of have to sit back and kind of let the market do what it has to do. And you just kind of take your cues and you make decisions from it. So with the fact of the matter is the Fed, with the interest rates tracking low, really low, uh, a lot of trash talking going on out there in terms of trade. It's just I thought this that time would be a really good time to kind of start building some exposure and picking up some high quality stocks, some high quality ETFs at a little bit of a discount and start building up some solid positions um, for down the road. As I said, I have no idea where the market's going to go in the future. The market could keep going down. And if it keeps going down, then you have to make decisions. But then if you're investing in quality products, then it's just a matter of just buying a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and slowly building up your, 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 your positions. And ultimately, owning a, a set of stocks and ETFs at really decent prices that are going to set themselves up for some upward gain in the future whenever that is because i have no t i have no idea when when these things are gonna <clears throat> all these etfs and and stocks that i bought i have no idea if they're gonna pan out i don't know when they're gonna pan out so but i'm i'm happy but i'm happy to wait so if you have in the next episode i'm going to go walk through all the decisions that i made in august so uh stay tuned that'll be part three if you have any questions about the decisions that i've shared with you and the thought process that I've gone through to get to these decisions, feel free to reach out to me. You can find, you can find me on my website, sageinvestors.ca. Just leave me an email. You can drop me an email. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at sageinvestors. I'm on there all the time, sharing content, um, chiming in on some takes on what's going on in the market. And I also tweet out all my investment decisions that I talked about today. Um, I actually, when I actually press the buy or the sell button, I actually, right after I do it, I tweet it out. So you can follow my decisions through hashtag trades to trade 2019. Finally, I am on Instagram. You can find me. My address is at Sage Investors Nation. If you are interested also, I also publish a weekly email. I call it in the loop where I share any new updates and new podcast videos that I do as well as also sharing content that I am reading from people and institutions out there that I find interesting and that find that are playing into how I make decisions. I actually share that stuff out on a weekly email. I send it out every Wednesday. So you can go to my website, sageinvestors.ca, and you can sign up, just drop your email, and boom, you're in. If you're also interested, as I said, I'm an investment coach. I teach people and I coach people on how to make better investment decisions. If you're interested in learning about investing or you're interested in kind of develop in developing your investing competencies uh, through one of my courses or through one of my coaching programs, you can check them out on my website. Again, sageinvestors.ca. That's all I got for you this week. Thank you very much for listening in. This has been another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amon Reina of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>